I just want to read to you a couple of verses. We talked about covenant this morning, and that might be a bit of a strange word, actually, for some of us. I hadn't thought of that until just now, as what is a covenant. So I'll explain that in a second, but it's a bit late if you've done it. Never mind. Um, but I'm just going to read from uh, the Bible. I just want to read. Uh, I'm just trying to find it. Uh, here we are, Luke 22. And it's the institution of the Lord's Supper. And that's because Jesus uses the word covenant uh, as he's having a meal with his mates, his disciples. That's what it says. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Uh, For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. You see that he uses the word covenant. He says the the blood, the cup, is the new covenant. Um, And so that's what we're talking about this morning. Another way of saying covenant is kind of a solemn promise. That's why we said we do. We're making promises to one another. And I I just wanted to um, think about promise a little bit for literally 10 minutes, not longer than that, um, as to why promises are so important. And it's because a promise that God brings is sure. A promise that God brings is true. We make promises all the time, whether they're flippant or otherwise. But when God speaks, it's true. When God speaks, it's reliable. And that's why it's important because God makes covenants. God makes promises. And if God makes a promise, then it's worth listening to. It's worth hearing because we know it's going to be true. As I say, we, we all make promises. Sometimes you may promise to take the bins out. Whether that happens or not, up for debate. You may may say, um, or England, you know, lots of people saying, oh, I promise you England will beat Russia. Or, you know, Wales will, Wales will lose to Slovakia. Um, and both of those obviously didn't work out. And my theory with England is this, and I think I'm right, is there are far too many Spurs players in the England team. Which is why we bottled it. Because it's full of Spurs players. If our team had more Liverpool players in, we wouldn't, we, we, we wouldn't have qualified in the first place. <laughs> but I think we probably wouldn't have bottled it if we had more Scouse lads in the team. Um, but we, we make promises all the time. Now, whether they're serious things like today, we've made serious promises, we're covenanted together, or when we make wedding vows, um, serious promises. But actually, even at weddings, some people do make some silly things and say some silly things. Here are a couple of things I found online, right? And these are true you know when people write their own vows, sometimes I'm sure it can be really beautiful. Sometimes it comes out like this. I promise to honor you with all of my actions. It's good. I will treasure you like actual treasure. But don't worry, I won't bury you. <laughs> I promise to keep you warm, very warm when it's cold outside. I will stand in the way of the sun when it gets hot. It's a genuine wedding vow. Another one. I promise to be true to you. Brilliant. To uplift and support you. To frustrate and challenge you. And to share... These might be my vows. And to share with you the beautiful moments of life. Someday, if the stars align, 
I might even let you win an argument. They were not actually my vows, just to, just to clarify. Genuine ones that were on Google. The things that we say, the promises that we make, are important. Even more so, the things that God says hold importance. Who is he? What's he promised? What does it mean to be in his family? And a biblical covenant is between God and his people. And it's a way that God makes promises to them. It's a formal agreement, a solemn promise. And if you read your Old Testament, he makes them with people like Abraham, Moses, David. These kind of heroes of the faith all enter into covenantal relationships. Noah, there's a covenant with Noah, just to name a few. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, the the prophet makes a staggering promise. He says, this is the covenant I will make. This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, that I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jeremiah looks forward to a day where the law of God, what's written, the promises of God are not just on a stone tablet anymore. They're not just in a fancy building, but they're written on people's hearts. It means lives are transformed, that what God says affects here. That Jeremiah is looking forward to a day when that will come, that there will be such a time where there will be someone in history who brings that about, who changes uh, the law being written on stone tablets and really impersonal and non-relational to being written on our hearts, that we can go from being outsiders to being the people of God. It says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. He looks forward to a day where that will come about. And then years and years and years later, Jesus is breaking bread with his mates. He's got them around the table. He's talking to them. He's explaining and he's saying, I'm going to go on to suffer. He took bread when he had given thanks. He broke it, gave it to them, said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, this is the cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. That covenant promise that Jeremiah was talking about, hundreds of years later, years and years and years later, it's happening. Around a table, Jesus is explaining, this is what it's going to be. This is that moment. This is where lives can be transformed now, where change happens. And on the face of it, it could seem a bit weird, couldn't it? Jesus is talking about bread, and he's talking about a cup and wine, and my blood is the new covenant. It's all a bit weird. But he's talking symbolically. They're enjoying a meal together, and he's talking about what he's going on to do. It's called the Last Supper for a reason, because he goes on to die upon a cross. He says in verse 19, this is my body, remember it, you'll recognize the wording from every time we have communion and we break bread and we share in the cup. We're remembering what Jesus has done. And that's what he's teaching the disciples with this covenant that he's talking about. This new covenant is remember it. Don't forget I'm the promise keeping God. When you're having a bad day, don't forget I'm the promise keeping God. When you're having a good day, don't forget I'm the promise keeping God. And don't forget what I've done for you. We're far off. We're messed up. We're the promise breakers, aren't we? We're the ones who make those vows, those rash vows where we say, England are definitely going to win Euro 2016. And then they can't even beat Russia, who are rubbish, incidentally. Russia are rubbish. 
So what does that tell you about England? We're terrible. I'm an optimist normally, but not when it comes to football. I think that's been a Liverpool fan. But we let God down. We let each other down with our rash promise making. And it's our rebellion to God. It's one aspect of what we call our sin. Which is why we celebrate when we were singing before, because Jesus has conquered sin, hell and death, that we might have new life. He steps into the breach. That's why the cross is so important. Jesus dies the death that you deserve. We know that, right? It should be you. It should be me that's on that cross. But Jesus steps in and says, this is the new covenant. I'm taking the hit for you so you can go free. I'm taking the hit for you so you can have a new life, so that you can have the law of God written on your hearts and you can be transformed, so that you can be full of hope, so that you can be full of life, so that your future and your eternal destiny is changed. I'll take the hit for you. I'll step into the breach. That's what Jesus does. That's why it's worth remembering because when you're low, when you're down, when you've had enough, Jesus still died for you. Jesus still loves you. On your best day is your worst day. He loves us enough that he goes to the cross for us so that we can be transformed, so that we have a relationship with God. And I just want to highlight just two things that just occurred to me when thinking about covenant and thinking about the amazingness of this new covenant, this new moment, this line in the sand that Jesus draws and says, it changes from this point, is that it's something worth remembering, isn't it? That's why Jesus says, this is my body, you know, remember it. How quickly we forget, right, all the time. Just take, I'm going to carry on with this football illustration. But prior to yesterday, even the media were on, yeah, we're going to do Russia in. We're going to sail through our group. We could even win it, I heard people saying. Now, here's a promise. Now, this may be a rash promise, but I'm going to make it anyway. And you can hold me accountable that if England do win Euro 2016, I'm happy for my whole beard and my whole hair to be shaved off. I have a terrible egghead, but I'm prepared to do that. Because they're not going to. <laughs> I really hope they don't now that I've said that. But I, w I will go through with that. Ali suggested my eyebrows too, but that's a step too far. You could shave your eyebrows off if England win. No. But we're not going to. How quickly we forget, actually, when it comes to tournament football, we're not very good. It's been 50 years since we won anything. We forget stuff, don't we? Now, that's not important. What about the important stuff in life? We forget. You know, I've got on the inside of my wedding ring the date of our wedding so that I remember our anniversary. And that sounds terrible. It's, it's also meant to be this beautiful symbolic gesture. I think it's that too. But also, it's so, oh man, I've forgotten what it is. I can look and I can check. That's why I've got the kids' birth certificates. I can check what birthday they've got. They're important things, right? But sometimes I still forget. The same can be true of our walk with God, right? Sometimes we live as if he's not even real. Life's good. Everything's great. What's our relationship with God look like? Have we remembered what he's done for us? And yet Jesus urges us here, don't forget. This is a new covenant. Don't forget. Don't forget I love you. Don't forget I go with you. Don't forget I care for you. Don't forget I died for you. Don't forget you can trust me. I'm still good. I still love you. I've got plans for you. That's what he says to us. We have a God who keeps his promises. So we do really well to remember what he says. He was broken so we're restored. So that we're brought into his family. And I'm really thankful that this covenant promise, this new covenant promise isn't dependent on you and isn't dependent on me. But it's dependent upon God. 
It's dependent upon his goodness, his reliability, his faithfulness. That no matter how I feel, no matter how you feel, it doesn't change God. You could be having a terrible time. God's still good. God still loves you. God still has good things for you. The mark and the, the, the authority, the seal, Jesus says, is my blood. He says, well, I went to the cross for this. That tells you it's real. That tells you it's authentic. That tells you it's genuine. I died for you. So therefore, you should know that what I say is true. That when I say I love you, don't doubt it. Because I died for you. I was raised to life for you. You know, often we have this thing, don't we? That we think, you know, God becomes our father and we think he'll only love us if we're good. He'll only love us if we get it right all the time. But God doesn't say, if you are good, I will love you to his kids. A good father wouldn't do that, would they? A good father wouldn't speak to their children in that way. Instead, our father says, hey, guys, you're my kids. I love you. So he says, if you're brought into his family, he says, you're my kids, I love you. He doesn't say, if you're good, I'll love you. He says, you're my kids, I love you. The covenant is dependent upon him. The promise is dependent upon him. And he's good. And he doesn't change. And he's faithful. It's worth remembering. And the second thing is this. That the covenant between God and us is for relationship. And it's for relationship to be enjoyed. The Christian life is not dull, irrelevant, and boring. Though it looks like it in lots of churches. Sometimes it might even look like it in your own life. But it's not. It's something to be enjoyed. It's something to celebrate because God has taken death and brought life. Right? There's a good time to say amen. Come on, we'll be a bit more Pentecostal. There's a good time to say amen. amen. Yes. Good. Just say it. Just don't say it inappropriate times, you know. We've got to practice when to say our amens. So that was a good moment. But it's not an individualistic thing either. That's why we covenant together as family. You are brought into something bigger than yourself. When you become a Christian, when you put your trust in Jesus as your saviour, you're agreeing to become part of a family, part of a local church family. That's why we covenanted, because we're committed to one another and to God. And as a result, we get a whole new family, don't we? If it's Jesus' blood that secures, we become the children of God and it's sure, then as soon as someone enters into that, they become my brother or sister. You get to be in a family with me. That's great news, isn't it? You all look really excited. It's not just coming along on a Sunday, is it? It's not just a, a thing that we participate you know, on the fringes in. That family doesn't work like that, does it? You can't just sit on the edge. Family just wouldn't happen and, oh, I'll just bobble along. I'll just go along. You can't be a bystander. You're blood-related whether you like it or not. You're in. You're in the family. And that's the same with the church. You're in, so get stuck in. Get involved. Be a part of it. That's what family looks like. It's an ongoing helping and encouraging and walking and journeying with each other in the good times and the bad times, pointing one another back to Jesus, remembering what he's going to say. How's our relationship going with one another? How's our relationship with God? So that we walk in a manner worthy of that. That's one of my dreams for this church. You read in the scriptures all the time where it says, you know, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Live your life in a way that pleases and honors God. That's my dream for this church. That God would see it and it would honor and please him.
that his people walk in such a way that brings him glory. People walk in such a way where they really do love one another. They really do put each other before their own ambition and their own ideas. And that's what a covenant does. That's what we've committed to do, that we'll walk well with God. That by his grace we'll seek to honour him every day of our lives. So a covenant is something worth remembering because it's who God is, but it's also about relationship. It's not disconnected, and it's about relationship together. That's why we've got, I know it might have seen a bit old, there's more people coming out, and we're praying for more people. But you know what? It's important because we're a family. Because the Bible tells us we're a family. So we should act like a family. And here's my final thing to say. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you don't understand anything that I've just said, I want you to take away this bit, this one final thought, if you like. You can have relationship with God. He still loves you. However far away from God we might feel, that offer is on the table in Jesus Christ. And his blood seals it. If you came today, no matter what state your life, and you said, I want to trust in Jesus and I want to live for him, you are in. Jesus takes you and you start the adventure of what it means to follow after Jesus. And that is because it's dependent upon him and his faithfulness. Why am I going to go to heaven? Not because I'm a good person, but because Jesus is good. Why am I going to enjoy eternal life? Because of Jesus. Really, everything that we've done today, covenant, commissioning, worship, is for him, through him, to him. If it's not for him, through him, to him, we're singing off the wrong hymn sheet. It's about Jesus, and it's for Jesus. And if our lives want to count, and if we want our church to count, we'll give everything for him. And we'll do everything for him. And I want you to know him if you don't, because it changes your life. He purchased his church and he sealed it with what he's done so that we can have a new life right now, an eternal life to look forward to. God keeps his promises and he says, if you believe in me, if you trust in me, then you will have eternal life. So we know it's true, right? So we know it's good.